Going to come back to the near side. Pick six. You see that coming up the way. Jack Jones. Make it to Hunter. Lofted towards the end zone. Welcome back to Pacific Point of View. I'm Tyler Budge. I'm Hayden Weber. And I'm Colt Almodova. And together we are the Pacific Point of View. And we are on so many platforms now uh, because of that yeah, good old Belly Up Sports affiliation. Do you know off the top of your head, Colt? Yeah, which it's like one's Spotify, there? Apple Music, Amazon, Kindle, Google Podcasts, Bullhorn, Megaphone. Wow. Damn, you name it. You name Insane. it, we're there right now, so really check us out on Spotify and anywhere you get your podcasts. Uh, and let's just jump right into it, guys. Let's go to uh, Wheaties. Better get your whole grain. I bet eat my Wheaties. So for Wheaties this week, we decided to do a college basketball theme because we got to watch the opening rounds of March Madness, arguably the most exciting rounds every year. And uh, so... From this first weekend, who is a team or a player that was performing well eating their Wheaties? I'm going to break the rules a little bit. I'm going to go with a coach. Oh, okay. And I'm going to go with former Fairleigh Dickinson head coach Tobin Anderson. And I say yep. former because he just got a promotion. He's taken over for Rick Pitino at Iona. And, guys, what he did was crazy. He led a program basically playing in a high school gym. I don't know if you've yeah. seen their gym, but it's it's pretty low level. And he, he guided that program to a win over a number one seed, Purdue. And the crazy thing is FDU didn't even win its conference. Yeah. They were yeah. second. And I believe the winner of their conference basically got the James Madison treatment. They were, I think – Upgrading to a Division One and therefore got a, a you know the NCAA postseason ban. So yeah, Merrimack was their t their name. They're the second straight year that's happened to a team where they won their conference tournament and been locked down. What a dumb rule! But in really this stupid. case, uh, you know, Fairly Dickinson gets a big win, and Tobin Anderson, who also went viral with like press conferences and stuff, he he basically that was a life changing win for him. UConn has been eating their Wheaties, boys. Uh, two double-digit point wins this past weekend against two quality teams and quality coaches, St. Mary's and Iona. Iona had Rick Pitino, as Hayden mentioned. Uh, but that team is coached by Dan Hurley, the brother of Bobby Hurley, and he knows how to close out games unlike his brother. Uh, this team is rolling. I think I have them in the Final Four right now. Um, how about the Princeton Tigers giving us all <laughs> the gift of a lifetime watching U of A just tumble, yeah. choking a 10-point lead with like six minutes of game time left. Beautiful, followed by an emphatic win over Missouri. I mean, it's like deja vu right now because it's like it's like St. Peter's. We've got another 15 seed in the Sweet 16. It's insane. So uh, you just got to shout them out. Absolutely, and that, that actually segues right into my Fruit Loops. Oh, perfect. Let's hear it. Arizona, men's basketball. Uh, how are you going to get bounced by a bunch of future NBA executives at Princeton? I mean, come on, guys. <laughs> they got exposed. I mean, U of A just got exposed. Nobody wanted the ball in clutch time. And I thought they were a little bit overhyped this year. I didn't feel like they were as good this year as they were last year. They just didn't have the shooters. I, I know they've got Courtney Ramey and... I don't know what happened to Kirk Creesa. I mean, that's a player. We want to talk about the most disappointing player on that roster, Kirk Creesa. I know he hurt his shoulder in the Pac-12 tournament, but he 
basically went AWOL down the stretch for them, and now he's in the transfer portal. So um, definitely a fast decline for Creesa and another rough exit for the Wildcats, who it seems like in their best of seasons are always getting bounced early. Exactly. Just terrible, terrible end. Paul, who's eating their fruit loops? Um, whoever is the pregame chef for Auburn needs to be promoted. Whoever's the halftime chef for Auburn needs to be fired, okay? Because before the game, they were eating their Wheaties. They had a 10-point lead against Houston this weekend. And then at the half, and going into the second half, they only made four shots the entire rest of the game, blew that entire 10-point lead, and lost to a Houston team that was on the ropes, it seemed. Yeah, just another terrible performance. And I gotta go with the the obvious one. Uh, again, Purdue. Yeah. What are we doing? And the stat that stands out most of all, forget one seed versus sixteen seed, forget all the other like comparisons. Purdue was number one in the country in effective height, which is basically an analytic that measures like minutes played by height. So you can't have a bunch of seven foot guys on the bench and just raise your score. They were first, and Fairleigh Dickinson was three hundred and sixty third. The, like literally mind-blowing stuff. Everybody's heard the stat a million times, but you've got to get a Fruit Loop for that performance. I mean, come on. I remember just looking at that team and Zach Eddy, and, and it looks kind of unlike any team. Like we saw UCF and Taco Fall, but yeah. with them it was they were like an eight seed. With this was a one seed. They won the Big Ten, so it just felt like there's no way they go down like this, right? And then they did. Like it was just words can't even describe what happened to that team insane i saw a stat that purdue's head coach has lost to like a 16 a 14 yeah. a 13 he, he's had one of the worst track records in the postseason you could possibly have and yet he's probably never gonna get fired because i think he's like their best coach in yeah. school history yeah. so so you know he's he got them they were a one seed not many teams can say they were a one seed right. at the very least so with that let's jump into the big picture um colt brought this to our attention. Uh, a new game, LSU-USC, just got scaled in Vegas. That was 2024, I believe. Oh, I think, yeah, I think you're right. 2024. Yeah, right. And then we've got Florida State versus Georgia Tech in Ireland, another neutral side game. So what are your guys' thoughts on these neutral side games, these international games? Honestly, I don't love it because, especially the international games, because I feel like they, a lot of, uh, like, you know, England and some of these other places, they don't understand kind of like the am how much amateur sports mean in the United States. Yeah. They do in some places, but for the most part, that's kind of a foreign concept. So I don't love it. And I just think college football, what makes it so special is the student section, the tailgates, yeah. the pageantry. You know, Europeans plain can't do that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, it, I mean, that's just what it is. It it. Sometimes these neutral site games, they feel just kind of like corporate and meaningless. Not meaningless, but kind of, I don't know, it lacks the, the fire that, that, you know, a, a, like, like Texas and Alabama, right? This, this past year hosted yeah. by Texas. That's electric. That needs to be happening more. I think of ASU Michigan State from several years ago. You can do these big non-conference games, but play them at the home stadiums. Yeah, I think when you have a neutral site game, you lose the pageantry, you know, you lose the fans. Also, we got to travel all the way to Ireland. I mean, I need a passport yeah. now. Uh, who knows if they're going to be selling beer, like whatever happened last year in Ireland. That was crazy, though. They started giving out free beer, which I thought was that was pretty cool. Okay, true. But, I mean, I think it sounds cool on paper, like, oh, cool, marquee Vegas game. But then when you really break it down, it's like, okay, now these fan bases have to travel when you could have had this at home. Yeah, honestly, the team I think should be taking the most advantage of neutral site games, especially right now, is the Hawaii 
beat Rainbow Warriors. Yes. <laughs> like, they sh they need to do a neutral site Las Vegas game. They're already playing one against UNLV in Vegas this year. That'll be awesome. But they, they should get another neutral site game there, especially when they're doing that 13th game. Or, screw it, put them in Ireland. Why, why not? Maybe, maybe Hawaii going to Ireland. Ireland fans cling to Hawaii. And they grow their fan base, and there's a huge donor in Ireland. We should be playing those Vegas games actually more often. I mean, the Ninth Island is. Yes, I mean that's gonna that's an extra. That's how many fans do you think would pull up to that? How many Hawaii? Probably a lot. Like Ten thousand. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, we can barely <laughs> get ten thousand to come to the regular game. Well, right if now. they're good. I think that would be a good thing to employ. And I, I do, like, they play a 13th game anyways. Throw them in Ireland. Yeah. Try Hawaii in Ireland. Do the Hawaii-San Jose State game in Ireland, you know? like We should actually play them in, like, the other Polynesian islands. Yeah, I think they would go. go crazy for that. There you go, like, yeah. Think about the last time there was, like, a football game in Fiji. Was there? I don't know. <laughs> but they would lose their mind over it. But overall, I agree. I don't like. Yeah. The, I don't want a trend to be more neutral site games. I think it also makes it a little more complicated when we start talking about like the playoff and like, oh, the game was at a neutral site. It wasn't a true road game, so true, maybe right. they get brownie points. It just makes things a lot more complicated. What's that Hawaii to Ireland jet lag like? I mean, what what even is that? It's got to be like thirteen hour flight, maybe. I don't oh know. Oh my gosh. Well, if the Earth's flat, right? Hawaii's on this side and Ireland's on the other side. Um, anyways, <laughs> the World Baseball Classic just concluded. We watched Otani absolutely strike out Mike Trout to give Japan their third World Baseball Classic title, which, the, how does that happen? The U.S. only has one. Japan has three. Well, until recently, for some reason, the yeah. United States yeah. could not get its own stars to play. And this was the most loaded USA team we've ever seen. This lineup, Goldschmidt, Trout, Mookie Betts, just top to bottom insane. But the problem with the USA team this year was they didn't have the pitching. Uh, but that yeah. wasn't ultimately what did them in. It was Japan just absolutely shut USA down. But it was their Super Bowl. Ba basically, and, you know, the World Baseball Classic, I know it's going a little off track. It's really good for baseball and really good for sports, but... I agree. Most um, excitement that baseball's had in a while, it feels like, on a on national a, scale. On a national scale, and yeah. And international scale, Honestly, for that matter. And, you know, it's a really cool opportunity for some of the guys, like, you know, from the Dominican, Japan, to kind of, like, reunite with their compatriots and, and play together. It's, it's something you don't get the opportunity to do unless it's the Olympics, which... Yeah. They don't really do the Olympics. so. So with that being said, it's a cool thing. Why doesn't football try it out? So what if all? What if the U.S. got together and said, "Hey, let's do a World Football Classic." We assembled our squad, and assuming uh, you know our squad is probably in the, in the same starting stage as the World Baseball Classic. Maybe we got Kirk Cousins at quarterback, and I don't even know who the running like Saquon at running back. I don't know. We we've got like a decent squad. What are some countries that could maybe give us a run for our money in the World Football Classic? Okay, so this is an idea. Okay, American Samoa. Yeah. American Samoa, okay. but what if you had, like, all these Polynesian territories combined into, like, a super team, right? Because I don't know if there's enough players from, like, American Samoa or Fiji or some of these other so places. So they just go under one branch of Yeah, Samoa. I mean, I don't know if that... I, think I don't you can know. His... Some more players. I think between Tua, Mariota, Juju, so you're Talanoa, just assembling, okay. you're just assembling a Hawaiian god. No, no, no. But these are all 
like they're all Samoan players. Like Panay Sewell, DeForest Buckner, they're all like heritage actors. True. Like, okay, th- that was dad. the other thing. Is yeah. like what's their what's their heritage, and, right? So the World Baseball Classic had one of the things that had super thin guidelines and super yeah. thin rules. Right. Like I would assume the same thing would be in effect. Like here. Freddie Freeman is from California, but his parents are from Canada, so and he, he played could for, play Canada. for Canada. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. I also feel like Canada. I was looking. They've got some really good NFL experience. Chase Claypool. Yep. Nikhil Harry was actually born in Canada. Chuba Hubbard, John Mechie, Josh Palmer. That's and, a decent squad right there. And they've got the whole CFL to pick from, too. Exactly. Because all those guys will have an instant claim. Uh, Zach Kolaros is back-to-back MVP winning quarterback for the CFL. So they've got a quarterback right off the bat to throw to Claypool and Harry. And here's a sleeper. Australia. Their special teams would be nuts. Same exact note. The punters Same exact note. on that team would be insane. And they're OP at rugby. I mean, you will not find a better rugby country. So I think you could get a couple of guys who would maybe they're not their background is at football, but could be a fullback or a running back or something or a linebacker. You just teach them the basics. Then you get the guy who went to Hawaii from New Zealand. He might want to play for Australia, you know? Or New Zealand. Oh. Or New Zealand, or New Zealand. <laughs> Cold, any countries you got Australia your eyes on? Australia plays footy as well. That's a, like a rugby football combo. That's the thing you go to the mix. table? No, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's actually a pretty cool sport. It looks pretty similar to football. I mean, I'm looking at Germany. The thing that the World Cup does, if you play like pro soccer in a different country other than your home country, you can technically play for them. So Germany has eight teams in the European League of Football. So oh. if they like, were to combine all these different guys, they could make a goon squad. Yeah, definitely. I think, I think one thing that would be really cool would just to see the outrageous offensive schemes and defensive schemes that these other countries roll out. I was thinking about Japan. Mm. And what if Japan rolls out five world champion sumo wrestlers <laughs> on the offensive front and just runs it down like... What are we doing? How, how are we going to get through those With guys? With Otani at quarterback. Oh, my With gosh. With Otani at quarterback, Nuts. baby. Um, another underrated storyline. What if all the Jewish players in the NFL went to play for Israel? Because I know they have, like, that birthright thing in Israel. I don't know if that would tie in. Well, no. that's what Team Israel did for in the World Baseball yeah. Classic. I mean, notable players that are Jewish in the in the NFL. Julian Edelman. He'll is, okay. is he, he's retired though, isn't he? So still, yeah, it doesn't matter. He can come back. AJ Dillon, Anthony Fersker, and Josh Rosen. So Josh Rosen and Edelman battle it out. Okay, for a that's a decent team. That's that team would qualify. Team Israel. most times. Team Israel, I feel like would be really fun to watch. Yeah. just for those reasons. I mean, that's a solid pool right there. Of <laughs> call it five USA. <laughs> Samoa. England. We haven't talked about it. I think England could roll a good squad out. There's enough, you know, it feels like England has a pretty good pulse in the U.S. I feel like there's enough people with England connections. Yeah. And so, like, are there any, can you think of... British players? I don't even know. I Honestly... Oh, oh the running back, Jay Ajayi. He's from England. Oh, he is? Yeah. Okay, yeah. I mean, for some reason, I just picture Derek Carr being the, uh, the U.S. quarterback for some reason. Really? He just seems so American. Yeah. I could see him flying. I could see it being Tom Brady. It's like the same thing as Adam Wainwright being the ace this year. It's like the 40-year-old guy who's like five years past his prime. Yeah, yeah. In the case of Wainwright, like 15 years, but still. Tom Brady, one last run, Team USA. When I think of England, I think of the Jaguars. So it would just be maybe the Jaguars versus all these other countries. We're going to destroy the Jaguars, Cole. That's ridiculous. Anyways, um, let's let's carry on to that was a fantastic thought experiment. Thanks, thanks for entertaining that, guys. 
the World Football Classic coming in 2026. WFC. Um, so March Madness, we alluded to it earlier. There's some Cinderella still live, Princeton being the biggest one currently. Some other smaller stories like FAU, but who really likes FAU? They took out Fairleigh Dickinson, so that's just that's just not True. cool. But if we had March Madness in college football, assuming we it crazily expanded to 64 and ruined our sport, who would be the Cinderella of college football. Maybe a team that's a double-digit seed or, or maybe mm-hmm. like a, an eight or nine seed or a seven seed and, and makes a run to later rounds. Who would be that team for you? So I got I got two. Okay. Um, one being like a really good group of five team that maybe not be your top-tier G5 team, but I feel like Coastal Carolina would maybe spring an upset early and that go on a nice option. run. Um, I, I really do. I think Coastal Carolina, I also thought about Liberty a little bit. Like one of those teams where it's not like a Cincinnati or, you know, like a Fresno State this past year, but a good, really solid uh, group of five team. And then Texas, right? Texas (laughs) would have to get in like a play-in game. But I just think of like a a stacked team, tons of talent, that is capable of hanging in there with Bama and making a run. I feel like Texas would be like a seven seed, so they'd have to make a run to like the Elite Eight. Cinderella can't be in the same sentence. (laughs) Well, they were what, six and six this year? I know, but like, you know what I mean? Like, when you think Cinderella, I typically think like, no, Texas Texas went eight and four. They did? Yeah. Oh wow. They it just didn't feel like. Then they lost the bowl. So eight okay. and five. Then I'll stick with coastal. I feel like that's a good a good answer. Why well, I think Cinderella. I think crappy school I've never heard of before. I don't know their mascot. I don't know where they're from. And when it comes to college football, I think Middle Tennessee State. Where is the middle of Tennessee State? It's a, it's in Middle Tennessee. But I can't tell you anything. <laughs> that's also a mouthful. They went eight and five this year. Okay, they would be a 16 seed in this tournament. Okay. Uh, this was a team that beat Miami and ended the season on a four-game winning streak with a win against San Diego State. And when you combine a hot team at the end of the season with a quarterback in Chase Cunningham, okay, who is a senior and a guy who can throw for over 3,100 yards and which was 28th best in the FBS last year. I think you could create a dangerous combination for a one seed like, let's say, who would have been a one seed this year? TCU. Wow. I, I actually like that take, Colt. That was, that was a good one. I, I think Toledo, they won the MAC championship. I look at them maybe sliding in at like a 10 seed or something like that. Maybe they could pull, make a little run, beat a two seed or something. BYU. BYU is yeah. a team that didn't do great this year, but they probably would have just qualified. You got Jaron Hall, you've got a, a very talented defense there, and Kalani Sataki at head coach. I think BYU could make a run. And and here's one. Maybe they slip in as a five and seventeen. The Arizona Wildcats. We saw them beat Arizona State at the end of the year. We saw them take down UCLA towards the end of the year. Mm. They were racking up some decent wins. And, I mean, if they get the wrong matchup early, maybe maybe Arizona just gets in as a 15 seed or something like that. It's a power five team, and just because they went five and seven, I don't know, they were playing some pretty good football, at least offensively, at the end of the year. So, you never know. And maybe ASU makes the tournament. 16 seeded ASU. We shall see. Um, But that will never happen, hopefully. And so, we posted our top ten coaches in college football rankings on Instagram. If you haven't already seen them, go check it out at Pacific Point of View on Instagram. Uh, I, I believe it's at Pacific underscore P-O-V. 
Um, or view underscore Pacific. Or view on Twitter. On Twitter, yeah, exactly. View underscore Pacific on Twitter. Run it up. Uh, so some big, some big discrepancies. Not necessarily big, but some discrepancies between our rankings. Let's start with the first one. Who's number one and why? Nick Saban or Kirby Smart? You got to go, Nick Saban. Um, I kind of took an overall, you know, kind of look at this overall resume, career resume. Um, I just think right now you can't say that Kirby Smart has had the better career than Nick Saban. Although I think Georgia is a better program than Alabama right now, I I think Nick Saban is is the goat. He's the greatest to ever do it um, at the college level and. Kirby Smart's going to have to win a couple more natties and, and get a couple more head-to-head wins on Saban in order to surpass him. Yeah, Saban's the seven-time champ since 2009. Smart's just getting started. Okay, see, this is interesting because when I ranked the coaches, I was thinking more of a standpoint from if I was starting a team tomorrow, or today, I should say, mm. who who would I want to be my guy? Okay. I, obviously, I still have Saban over Smart all the time. But if I was starting a team today... I would think I, I would want Smart just because he's won back-to-back titles. However, it is noteworthy that they dodged Alabama this last year. So I reserve the right to change my mind. But that's where I stand currently. The, uh, the way I see it is I can't put Saban over Smart right now because Smart's the guy that has won back-to-back natties. Fair. So take that as you will. Lincoln Riley, at, I believe number four for Colts, number mm-hmm. five for me, but Hayden has him all the way down there. I think it, what? Nine. 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 So where does Lincoln Riley belong? So, I, I mean, I'm a little low on, on Lincoln Riley just because for the same reason I didn't include Ryan Day in the top ten. He took over for Bob Stoops, who, you know, that's getting the keys to a Corvette there at Oklahoma. He didn't have to really build anything. Obviously, not discrediting the fact that he's a quarterback whisperer. He's one of the greatest offensive minds in all of football. I mean, he's he's a prodigy. He's still young. He's got a lot of winning left to do. I just think right now he is a little one-dimensional with the offense. True. The defense, he's just not been able to figure it out. Um, USC started strong last year. They really fizzled. He can't. He doesn't do well in the New Year's Six. You know, a lot of one-and-dones there at Oklahoma. Just lost to Tulane this year at USC. That is true. And, again, with USC, that's a great situation to be in. Walking into USC in in the transfer portal NIL era where... You know, you're able to just recruit a God squad and, and not really have to get like a grassroots rebuild going. I just think he's kind of had it easy in his coaching career. So it's kind of tough to tell how really great he is, but that's also a testament to the, to the appeal he has to great young quarterbacks. I mean, if he went to Vanderbilt, I think Lincoln Riley would rake in a top 20 recruiting class, pull a five-star quarterback. So I'm a little tough on Lincoln Riley in these rankings but I just I can't overlook how poorly he's done in the postseason and how bad his defenses have been. The reason why I've Lincoln Riley so high is because of what he's done in terms of Heisman Trophy winners. I don't know how many coaches out there have produced three Heisman Trophy winners and, yeah. like, what, six finalists. Um, and I think because of that success in player development, he's worth a top-five nod. The knock, though, is that you've had all this great talent, why haven't you even made a national championship with these stars? Well, uh, that's where I'll push back, and I'll say, you look at who he lost to in the playoffs, and he was making the playoffs. He's running through the Big 12 every year at Oklahoma, which isn't necessarily what Bob Stoops was doing. Uh, 
they lost to Alabama, they lost to Georgia, they lost to Clemson, and they lost to 2019 LSU. And I think it, all, if not most of those teams went on to win the national title. I mean, it wasn't like he, – he had the second or third best team in the country multiple, multiple of those years. I'd argue he had the second best one the year they lost in overtime to Georgia in the semifinal. I just think that it you can't even really knock him on that because who's he losing to? He's losing to, like, the best. Were they, were they favored in any of those games? I, like, they weren't favored in any. The loss to Tulane, you could knock him for for a second. But then you remember, oh, that team that he just took to the Pac-12 title game was 5-7 and seven the year prior. I just think the Lincoln-Riley effect – it should be enough to put him in at least the top, like, seven. Sure. Like, I, I don't know if I would put James Franklin above him, because I saw that was one you had above him. I, yeah. Because I love James Franklin, too, and I love what he's done, but he hasn't brought Penn State to the playoff. And but, Penn, but he did take over a, a thrash Horrible, Penn State horrible Penn that State team. Too. And he won true. at Vanderbilt, which That's, that nobody has true. been able to do since he, was, he left. He was getting top 25 finishes in Vanderbilt. I mean, yeah. I still have him in my top 10, um, Franklin. But yeah. we can go back and forth on Riley all day long. More on Lincoln Riley later. Uh, we've got Sonic. One of us, each one of us, has a guy that's in our top 10 that I don't think the others have in our top 10, or maybe they're a little bit higher, which is Sonny Dykes, Luke Fickle, and Lance Leipold. So, out of those three guys, kind of where would you put them? Okay, so with Leipold, the way I looked at it was, again, overall resume, right? What he did at Wisconsin-Whitewater. I mean, he's the, he's the D3 Nick Saban. Okay? Yes. How many T- titles did he win? Like five? Like, I think it was at least four. At yeah. least four, pr- probably more. I mean, he was like 70 and three. It was crazy. Um, then he took over a desolate Buffalo program turned them into a solid, respectable program consistently. And then, obviously, he's been the first guy to fix Kansas in te- over 10 years. The last bowl game they made was 07 before this last year. So, so like 15 years. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I think at, in terms of a program builder and a guy you would want to turn around a desolate program, and, and if you're not getting one of the big-name guys, you're looking at a Lance Leipold and pound-for-pound – I think he, his ability to build a program yes. from scratch is better than like a Lincoln Riley. But again, that's that's not necessarily a knock on Riley. That's just a testament to, to how great Leipold is. I think for what Leipold does, he is the best. He he's the best. If you need to absolutely rip a program up from the roots and rebuild it from scratch, he's the best. If you want your team to compete for a national title next year, Lincoln Riley. I, no, I don't think anyone has the level of pedigree that Riley does in just taking a team and instantly making them title contenders. Sure. But that being said, he's done it at Oklahoma and USC. So, For me, it's no knock on Leipold. Um, it's just I haven't seen him work with high-quality, top-tier talent yet. And sometimes, as you, you see a lot of times in college basketball, you'll have these crappy programs like, I don't know, Shaka Smart will build a great program out of VCU, but then go to Texas and absolutely just collapse. He has great recruits. And now he's program. doing great at Marquette, Marquette right? So. Who was just kind of on the low in the Big East. So you see that a lot. For me, Luke Fickle kind of breaking through and becoming the first group of five to make the playoff, I think is a greater achievement um, than kind of what TCU was able to do because I think being a part of the Power Five Conference already puts you in there. But I think Fickle more consistently than Dykes has done it. I think I have Fickle. That's why I have him higher. See, I'd push back on Fickle because he had five years to build that at 
Cincinnati. The part that just blows my mind, and the reason I've got Dykes where I have him, which is pretty high, is he just took TCU to the natty. Like, mm, the, yeah. the coaching job in that one year, it might be the single greatest coaching job I, I've seen that I can even think of. Maybe, I mean, Willie Fritz at Tulane is probably up there, too. But that was insane. Fickle, Fickle built that team and took yeah. them to the playoff, which is also really impressive. But the single-year coaching job that Dykes... Like, Dykes is going to get a ton of coaches fired in the future because programs will be like, well, why didn't you make the natty like TCU yeah. did in year one? You know, like, I, I just... I can't get over... I have to credit him for that. And sure. that for that reason, I had them up there. And uh, Ryan Day. No one, no one had Ryan Day, guys. I mean, it's the same thing for, for me for Lincoln Riley. I just... I think Ryan Day, if you take... Honestly, if you take any of the guys we have on this list, you know, a Fickle, a Riley, a Kleiman, who you included, Chris Kleeman, Kleiman. Yeah, you know, okay. he, he took Kansas State to a – he won yeah. a Big 12 that's title. Re- I, that's that. respectable, and I honestly kind of forgot about him, but he's someone right right in the thick of things for me as well. I think any of these guys are going to win big at Ohio State. Honestly, I really oh, do. Yeah. Um, just – Ohio State is one of the easiest places to win in the country. I mean, you don't. We don't need to sit here and, and you know. It's the big brand. They're always going to recruit, no matter who's there. Miraculously, Luke Fickle is the only guy who who didn't win in his lone season at Ohio State. But still, <laughs> I feel like most of these guys win really big at Ohio State, and I just don't think Ryan Day has separated himself where it's like oh, he's done this before, that leads us to believe he could go to another program and, and build that. Right, and the expectation at Ohio State is A, beat Michigan, and B, probably win a national championship every yeah. year. And when you're kind of living in the shadow of Urban Meyer, it's like, ah, you came in right after him. I True. Mean, Urban Meyer took that program to Natty, an undefeated season during that one year. Day hasn't produced at the level I think this fan base expects. You almost can't convince me that Greg Schiano wouldn't be doing the same exact job that Ryan Day is doing right now. Honestly. At Ohio State. Just saying. Uh, where, where do you have uh, Timmy Chang, Cole? Uh, 11. Okay, all right, perfect. All right, so enough about that general college football crap. Let's get to the Pac-12 newsletter. It's a Pac-12 show after all. Former California Golden Bear Aaron Rodgers is reportedly... Going to end up at the Jets eventually once they figure out all these trade details. And so it's going to be a blockbuster trade. So if you could make one blockbuster trade in the current Pac-12 or Hawaii, if you're cold, what <laughs> trade would you make? And it can be with a team outside of the Pac-12 if needed. Okay. So I'm going to look at ASU here. There we go. Um, right now, I feel like ASU is in a position where you don't want – they just pulled a really nice rec- – recruiting class a lot of good young players coming in the program i don't think you're in a position where you're one player away from you know elevating to an eight win team and you know competing for the pac-12 championship this is a team that needs to gel a little bit you need to get the dillingham mojo going it's going to take a year or two so look if you're asu you got Jaden rashada running back i'm not selling the farm to get a running back you can you can plug and play there okay uh, you got good wide receivers. You got good tight ends. The defense that's going to take some work. But I'm really looking to shore up the offensive line. He Dillingham did a nice job getting some guys. You got Bram Walden and a couple others. But for some reason, ASU's never been able to get that four or five star offensive lineman here. Um, so what we're going to do this year here we go. is we are going to trade some big name players 
to the Utah Utes. Okay, wow. we're going to trade Jordan Clark, who's the cornerback, star one of the star defensive players, kind of an unsung hero on the on the grand scheme of things, but he's a senior at a position of depth. Okay, we're also going to trade Geo Sanders, wide receiver too from last year, solid slot receiver. I feel like Utah. They're not super deep with wide receivers. They could really use a Geo Sanders. Okay. And then we're going to throw in Isaiah Glass, who is the current left tackle. All right. He's a guy I feel like maybe will not start at left tackle for Utah, but at the very least, you can plug him on the interior. And if not, he's a good sixth option for you. And maybe a roster, a scholarship spot or two, since there's no draft picks, we're trading scholarship spots. Okay. okay. In return, we are getting. A king's ransom of offensive linemen. <laughs> it's two guys, but this is going to shore up your O-line for years to come. You're getting Caleb Lomu and Spencer Fano from Utah. Wow, Spencer Fano. That's so you're getting two draft. top 100 offensive tackles. Wow. You're getting the number one player in the state of Utah in Fano and the number two player in, out of the state of Arizona in Lomu. So you're getting basically generational offensive tackles, and you're kind of selling on this season, but you're saying, hey, we can replace Clark and Sanders and, and Glass because Fonu and Lomo can walk up day one and start. There's no way Utah agrees to that trade, but um, this is that kind of a deal where if ASU could buy some offensive linemen, yeah. look out. Hey, put a stamp on it, send it to the league office. Colt, what the, trade are you making? In the Pac-12, I had no idea what I was doing here. So I rolled with Damian Martinez. No, what are you doing? For Michael Penix Jr., and I think, you know, having a short quarterback <laughs> in there, that is the worst trade I've ever heard of in my life. That, that is the trade I made. But the other one I actually was really down for, and this is a hypothetical, of course, if you could do well, this. Well, yeah, they're all hypothetical. Um, <laughs> the island of Maui for Nick Saban. <laughs> like... Maui is a top two island, okay? And Nick Saban is obviously one. the best coach. See, some so, people regard it as number one. So what does trading the island do? Does Bama just get that island? Does Nick Saban, is it called Saban now? No, well, we get Nick Saban. So Nick Saban would come yeah. to Oahu. Against his will? And so, <laughs> yeah, so Alabama, the program itself, would have Maui. They would have all of its assets, all of its land. Those, those Bama facilities are going to be insane. Oh, my yes. gosh. And I think I think that would work. Who who's authorized to sell Maui to Bama? To the trade? state of Hawaii. So, so do, do the people this? of Maui now? Who are they governed by now? <laughs> Alabama. Do they just have to leave? <laughs> no, they're, they're governed by Alabama. And here's also why I like it. There's already a lot of tourists on Maui. It's like you know what? If if there are a lot of tourists, Bama's going to be making there. seventy-five billion dollars, oh and that's okay because that means Hawaii will get saved and we can turn this whole ship around. Wow, that's that's crazy. Um, I went to a program and I just said, who is one of the most boring programs in Pac-12? And I said, let's look at Stanford. Pretty boring. And I said, how can we make this team exciting? So we take a player that maybe was a little flashy on the field, Casey Filkins, and doesn't matter who, let's throw in a couple defensive linemen, and let's go after a guy from California, try to get him back in the state, get some excitement, a former five-star, Jay Butterfield. He's okay. not going to see the field on the Ducks, so we throw Casey Filkins and a couple D-linemen because we all know how much Dan Lanning loves his D-linemen. We all throw it at him. We get Jay Butterfield. We get the excitement. We get Troy Taylor, a quarterback, in year one. And Jay Butterfield still got like three years of eligibility left. So I think that would be a great 
move, put some excitement in the Stanford program. You sacrifice a little D-line depth, but guess what? You're terrible there already. And you, you sacrifice Casey Filkins, whatever. Troy Taylor isn't really known for running the ball a ton. And uh, I just think that would be the move to make. Interesting. Yeah. So go do it, Stanford. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll see if that uh, happens. But we have some follower hot takes. Ask the followers. Give us a couple hot takes. First one from at Guy 6 He says, DJ Uyunglele is this year's Michael Penix. It's just like fact or fiction. Uh, yeah, uh, fiction. <laughs> no, I don't think I don't think he'll be that good, but he'll be better than what Oregon State had, and with that, I think he'll be better than he was last year at Clemson. But I'm not ready to say he's a Heisman front runner or finalist. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what DJ like. Interesting, interesting he note actually. Last the, year, the first the first spring like scrimmage was held. Uh, ben Branson led two touchdown drives as a quarterback, including a 40-yard fade to Josiah Irish. DJ Uyunglele did not orchestrate a touchdown drive, although he split first-team mm. reps with Ben Branson. Interesting. Just saying. Hmm. Anyways, at the underscore Hendenberg underscore 03 says, Joe Milton wins the Heisman Trophy. No. Not a chance. <laughs> not a chance. Wow, really? Not even a little smidgen? Not even a little? Unlikely. Joe Burrow? Joe? He's got the same name? But my sister just texted me, uh, are you guys going live? Yes, we're live. Oh my gosh. That's that's embarrassing. I, I went live with the wrong account. <laughs> oh, shit. I mean, shoot. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> How do I... We're live... Oh, that's awful. On... Hold on, let me go... That sucks. At Tyler Budge. <laughs> <laughs> Ignore it. Not that. anymore. All right, we're back. Oh my goodness. Well, it's all right. We'll uh, we'll we'll figure that out later. We're still we're still live on a bunch of different platforms. We're live everywhere else except for the main account. But, but we might be live on at Tyler underscore no, Budge. No, we're live now. We're live. Okay, there we go. Sorry about that, guys. Um, at Corey underscore Blaine. Wait, Corey. Yes, at Corey underscore Blaine says Texas wins the Big Twelve. And makes the playoffs. It's the most likely <laughs> of the ones I've heard. Well, eh. I'm down. I'm down. Okay. I'm not ready Welcome to say horns. playoffs. I'm down. I'm down for a 10 and 2 season and like a Sugar Bowl run. Who's our I don't know about playoff. Guys, Bama, they got to play Bama on the road. Damn. <laughs> Forgot about that one. And Bama, then, Wyoming, Rice. Let's say they lose to Bama. Maybe they lose Red River and avenge it in the Big 12 championship game. Sugar Bowl, win that, 12-2, and two, call it good. There we go. B. Bo Davis says South Alabama is going to the New Year's Six. <laughs> no. I mean, who's watching South Alabama football, bro? They won 10 games last year, Colt. Maybe even 11. Did they? They did. Wow. You know what? Their only we, losses were to UCLA and I believe Troy. You know what? You're right. Yeah. You see, we stopped doing that yeah. like group of five segment. Yeah. I just stopped watching. Yeah. One for the else. little guy. Completely went out the window. We got to bring. I'm that still back. gonna say no. I'm sticking with James Madison. I'm I'm really in on James Madison next okay, year. Okay. So with all the hot takes flying around from our followers, it's only right for each one of us to put something on the bulletin board. It is only March, but no better time to put something on the bulletin board. One hot take for 2023. Who are we going to? Let's start with Hayden because I All feel right. like Colts is going to be outrageous. Yeah. Colts deep thinking over there. Um, this might not be 
too hot of a take. I think ASU will be bowl eligible. I do. I feel like ASU, there's a path to six wins. We kind of talked about it in the over-under uh, over segment a few weeks ago. I like ASU to win six games, whether or not they beat U of A or whatever it is. I think you'll take a six-win season at ASU next year, and I'm pretty confident in that. Okay, that's bulletin board material for Hayden. ASU wins six games. I'll throw mine out there. Michael Penix Jr. passes for less than 4,000 yards as he passed wow. for over 4,000 yards this last year. They play at Michigan State, Boise State, Utah, USC, Oregon after mm. the Ducks have a bye. The zone of defense improved. They have to play at Arizona, and they play at Oregon State. I just think there's going to be a slippage in production there. Yeah. My Pac-12 one I said like two weeks ago was Bo Nix winning the Heisman. I'm going to still stand by that, but... Okay, I'll post that one too. Braden Shager <laughs> is going to be the comeback player of the year in the Mountain West. Wow. I wow. think with this year committing to the run and shoot, it's going to be, what, his eighth year as the quarterback of UH, it feels like now, that he's been there for so long. I mean, at some point, this guy's got to figure it out. And, you know, another thing I want to say, based on our previous talk about the little guys. Yeah. I don't know if it's a hot take, I actually hate the little guys. What? Yeah. You know, that is whoa, like, like, that's like whoa. the whole thing. Like, I My love life Hawaii. But man, if they were one of these power schools, pff, I don't care about these little guys wow. anymore. Wow. What? what are you I'm not going to root for them. I, I want to be part of the elites. But this is your whole thing. I, I have to root for the <laughs> little guys. You can't abandon your identity like yeah, that. You know, the little guys suck. I, I want to be part of the, the cool <laughs> the cool conferences, like, not the Mountain West. It's supposed to be, what, 10th or 9th? What the do you Mountain have there? West, eighth. The, the little guys is what makes college football college football, arguably. Nah, no other sport has Middle Tennessee beating Nebraska and Marshall taking down Notre Dame, except for college basketball, who has... <laughs> Other upsets. I don't know, maybe it's like just that. a phase. I don't know. It's but. just a phase. <laughs> Cult's a moody teenager all of a sudden. Uh, but we posted another Instagram post talking what? about. Yeah, we're what doing is all this content now. Crazy. <laughs> at Pacific underscore POV. You should go follow. Oh, so we also have Twitter at View underscore Pacific. We'll probably have a Belly Up Sports ad laced in here somewhere. They don't even know about Belly Up Sports yeah. that much. Yeah, well, we've, we've talked about it a few times. But uh, do you want, Cole, do you want us to like have a, a point in the show where we go like and now belly up sports where you can edit it in are we supposed to be doing some ads uh no we're doing it are we trying to make money off of this we, thing we have to put the belly, hey, up. belly up sports how do we make money off this <laughs> no, no, we, we have to put the belly up sports thing in there but we can start doing ads if we want to but okay, we would have to pick that i saw a manscaped okay 20 percent off okay if you use a promo code it's on the belly up sports website you gotta but, use the actual but, promo. but we really like <laughs> but we really like manscaped um, it's a great product. No, Colt, you have to actually run their ad. I'm just hyping up Manscaped. <laughs> I'm not even trying to get money off of this. Oh, it's wow. a great product. It's just out of kindness of your heart. All right, let's stop doing free advertising. Let's get to Pac-12 Stadium superlatives. Brought to you by... <laughs> We've already ranked them. They were a little unhinged rankings, kind of like how the show's devolved a little bit here now. But what's the best Pac-12 <clears throat> Stadium? All right, I'm going to go with the Rose Bowl. Just the pageantry, the history, you know, it's classic. Rose Bowl is iconic, and therefore... It's got to be the best. Okay, cool. I got Autzen. I think the colors, the team, the, the way that they construct the stadium looks like it's all in the lower bowl. Looks loud. It's pretty cool. It is very loud. I can confirm having been there. But I've also been 
to Rice Eccles Stadium a few times, and I kind of just went off my personal experience being at the games. With the Rose Bowl, every time I've been, they haven't been able to fill the stadium. So I don't care how much history is there. Atmosphere, it's it's yeah. at the bottom, yeah, if you I'm consider like, that. Ugh. So I, I'm Rice Eccles, the atmosphere is insane there. The flags they weigh around. I recommend going to a night game in Rice Eccles if you ever can. It was awesome there. And they have the moment of loudness, too, mm-hmm. which they do. So cool. Um, but Austin Stadium, definitely honorable mention there. What's the worst? The worst stadium. So this is tough because can I really say... Memorial Stadium for Cal is the worst. I've never been there. I've just seen pictures and like it's I mean, kind of old. It's kind of like I don't know. It's kind of a nothing stadium. You know, it's just a bowl. The, the surrounding area is nice. You know, there's some some green hills and Berkeley's a nice area. But I don't know. I just it based on what I've seen, it doesn't really do it for me. I've also heard. Arizona Stadium is not the best. Never been. It's seen pretty, it from the it's outside. It's a pretty mid stadium. Pretty mid. Okay, so you know. It's just a very like square stadium. Yeah. There's nothing like you don't look around the stadium and go like, wow. It's just like, all right, this is definitely a stadium. Yeah. So I I can't really say that Memorial is the worst because I haven't been there. Of the ones I've been to, the Coliseum by far is my least favorite. I did noticed, not like it. Really? Didn't like it at all. It gets a lot of hype. I feel like. I definitely have no desire to go to Cal, so I'm, I'll say Cal's the worst. Sure. I have Wazoo. I just think the weather looks terrible there in November, like the snow. Like I don't know if I'd be able to tolerate a football game. I'd just be freezing. Has it ever snowed in Hawaii? Yes, on the top of Mauna Kea. That's it? It, also, it also hails like, from time to time. Oh, interesting. Uh, what's the most overrated stadium? I'm going to say the Coliseum. I feel like people you know, kind of marvel at how big it is. It's, it's seats... 105,000 and you know they've had to tarp like part of it off because yeah. even in this insane season USC just had they they can't fill that thing so I don't know I just I don't know it's not like a super nice stadium either the the vantage points are weird like if you sit up by the press box like your view gets cut off if you sit all oh, the way at the top that's terrible it's just kind of janky and um you know it's again kind of like the Rose Bowl it's it's hosted in Olympics there's some history there but I feel like if you take away the history, it's not great. I mean, this, Rose was, Bowl. this was kind of disrespectful. <laughs> I have the Rose Bowl as well. Okay. Um, Just the atmosphere sucked, man. I Yeah, and I'm with you. The I will say, the 2013 ASU-UCLA game was nuts. I was at that. That thing good. was so you actually, sold out. You actually experienced yes. it. That's good. The peak of the Jim Mora era at UCLA, people showed up. That's good. Good for them. Good. Yeah. Chip Kelly just can't, can't sell. Can't do it. But now there's more tarp than fans. They like just covering yeah. those yeah. seats. It's pretty pretty somber thing to see. And like they still can't fill it with the tarp. It's crazy. Uh, most underrated. I'm gonna go Stanford Stadium. I feel like you know no one really talks about it. If you want to talk about bad atmosphere, that one's right there with the Rose Bowl. <laughs> uh, I had a chance to go for the ASU game. I was, it was maybe maybe 10,000 people there. This is underrated? Oh, underrated? Did I? Yeah, yes, yes. It is underrated. <laughs> atmosphere was... Started <laughs> <back>. <laughs> well, okay, no, but it's actually really pretty and like the area is super nice. It feels like you're in Oregon or something. You know, the trees, the pine cones, it, like RV tailgating. Yep. It was really cool. Uh, the fans that do show up are, are passionate about it. And when Stanford's good, it, it fills up a little bit, but... It's, it's like a nice, really just quality stadium. Like, the seats are nice. It's well kept. Um, in terms of, like, the layout, I think it's pretty cool. So, 
Underrated Stanford. I enjoyed U of A. Uh, passionate, old-timey wow. feel. Uh, there's nothing else to do there in Tucson, so it felt like everyone showed up. Like here, we're going to support the cats. Oh, good for that. Hey, it's named after a salsa company, Research Stadium. It is it is underrated. I think it's just it's just a nice quality stadium. It gets louder than people think. You have those weird upsets that happen in Corvallis. Oregon State's what, 11-1 and one in Corvallis in the last two years? Just saying. Sure. Just saying. Underrated. Uh, bucket list stadium. One you haven't been to, one you want to go to because you haven't been to it. I've got to go Husky Stadium. Just being on the lake and in the fog. And when Washington's good, that place gets full. I've heard it's loud. I know they re- renovated the thing a few years ago. So that one's definitely on my bucket list. Same boat. I want to go to the Coliseum just because of the history. Ooh. The sights and sounds are on and off the field, I think will be really fun to go see the Coliseum. Yeah, I'm, I'm also with Husky Stadium, yeah. like Hayden said. I, I just think those night games in Seattle get hyped up so yeah. much. I want to go to one. Colt, let's let's hear some lock of care. There's got to be somewhere I can throw my money, right? Yeah, but there's actually college basketball that you can put a ton of money on. Perfect. And, Bud, if you're looking at a really good deal here, plus 400 right now for a buzzer beater in the NCAA tournament. Wow. There are 15 games left. There's okay. got to be one. The closest we had was like that Furman one, but it didn't count because Virginia still had a possession to inbound. A buzzer beater is clearly defined in the betting world as no time left on the clock. Okay. The other team can't inbound. It has to be, and then it goes in. Okay. All right. Plus 400. Plus 400? We haven't had one yet. It's about to happen, right? It's March Madness. Yes. yes. Okay. Then we got some sweet 16 betting locks. Okay. Princeton is getting 10 points against Creighton. These guys can absolutely light it up from three. They gotta at least cut it to a nine point deficit at some point, even if they lose. Luck. Luck. Hammer. Right? Yep. My other one, Alabama minus seven and a half versus San Diego State. San Diego State had a pretty easy way uh, to get to this point. They've had to beat Charleston, Furman, not the best of teams. And Alabama looked unstoppable versus Maryland. I think Bama absolutely dunks on San Diego State this weekend. Well, there you have it. Who was the 16 seed you told us to bet on last week? Or was it a 15 seed? Um... <laughs> There was something you told me to put my money on last week. Uh, Penn State plus 100 over nine and a half wins. Now keep going. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 come on, come on, you gotta find it, Colt. There, you uh, told it was us on my laptop. I will find you it. You told after. us about something ridiculous. Anyways, let's. I don't think it was Fairly Dickinson. Was it Fairly Dickinson? If it no was way. Fairly we Dickinson, would have known. that would be the greatest bet of all time. But I, I can't quite recall who it was. Let's, let's do some uh, factor fiction, some unique factor fiction here. There's. 12 factor fictions, one for each Pac-12 team about the 2023 season. Okay. So let's start at the top. <coughs> Fact or fiction, fiction, Arizona's defense improves significantly next season. Improves fact, significantly remains to be seen. I'm going to say fiction because I don't think it's going to be like <laughs> super noticeable. I think they'll be better because there's nowhere to go but up, but... I'm going to say not dramatic. Exactly. Nowhere to go but up. Fact. Uh, that was like, kind of like a Jared, Jared Ray as a faction. Yeah, a bit. exactly. Faction was outlawed, though, back in 2022. Anyways, um, fact or fiction, Arizona State is already the best team in Arizona again. Fiction. You got to go earn it. You got to go earn it. So I'm going to say fiction because if it were the opposite, I would say you know, you so no, you got to go win. 
right now Arizona's the best team, and we'll find out again in November. Don't be sleeping on NAU. <laughs> oh, jeez. What would you say, fact or fiction? Uh, I'm going to go fiction. Okay. Delora. Uh, fact or fiction, Jaden Ott has a true breakout season. I'm talking national breakout this no. year. Fiction. fiction, no way. No, bro broke out for six weeks and fell off for another six weeks. Was unfortunate. You didn't find that 16 seed pick? No. Did you give up on looking for it? Yeah, I don't, I don't know if I deleted it. Here, you, the after the Michael Scott outro, look for it, maybe. Okay. Unless unless you've deleted it, in which case. I, I have no idea what happened to the file. <laughs> All right, fact or fiction, Colorado wins more than five <laughs> games. Uh, fiction. I'm going to go fact. Dion okay, bowl okay. game first season? Hell yeah. yeah. All right, we've got the, the Colorado hype and then the Colorado detraction. Fact or fiction, Dan Lanning has another questionable fourth down call Late in the game in 2023. Fact. I'm going to go fiction. You learn from your mistakes. There we go. That's what I was looking for. Some discourse. Fact or fiction, Oregon State is the best pass defense in the Pac-12 in 2023. Is Rajon Wright coming back? Uh, no. <laughs> we lost actually like three key defensive backs. What about is Clark Phillips coming back for Utah? Uh, no, he's in the draft. He's in the draft? Yep. Hmm. It's I don't know if I know enough to like say that they're that much better than like a Utah or a Washington. It's all about the system. I'm going to say fiction, not because I, I I don't think so. It's more just I don't know. So I, I would need to look more. This question's about my pay grade. What do you think, Butch? Uh, fact. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's why it's just a word, two words, fact or fiction, you know. Uh, fact or fiction, Troy Taylor will be considered a good hire at Stanford in five years. Fact. No, again, nowhere to go but up for Stanford, which is crazy to think about. I'm going to go fiction. I think he just sucks his whole five years. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. If wow. he lasts that long. You think long. he's going to be there five years if he sucks that bad? <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> wow, that's an even bolder take that yeah, he's going to be terrible but be there five years. Insane. Factor fiction, Chip Kelly okay. is not only resurging, but he's at the beginning of his resurgence to being a top tier head coach again fiction i'm gonna go fiction i felt like maybe last year was kind of the peak really how good it gets yeah it's gonna get i think so i don't think he'll ever get back to the oregon glory days Uh but there's certainly ucla's in in a good in a good spot right now okay fact or fiction lincoln riley will win a national title in his career fact i think eventually he'll figure it out i'm gonna go fact but i say he only gets one okay fact or fiction utah will three-peat Fiction. I, I really don't think so. You know, Come on, man. They've done it. Back, I've been back. hating on this team every single year. I think two years ago, I said after they started 1-3, oh, this team sucks. Kyle Whittingham's going to retire. Uh, let everything go. Blow it all up. Yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll do it. Utah 3 Wow, feet. there we go. Uh, fact or fiction, Cam Ward breaks out. Fiction. <laughs> no way. No. Fiction. Fact, fact or fiction, Washington makes the playoffs. Fiction. Fiction. Yeah. yeah. See, Washington, always on that dark horse for playoff graphic. Yep. Uh, and last but not least, fact or fiction, the Hawaii Rainbow Warriors make a bowl game. Yeah. Fiction. Who do they beat? What? I need to see their schedule. Well, Who do they beat? I don't fact, need to see their fact. schedule. UNLV, They're Colorado not seven State, games. Nevada, New Mexico State. I think we only play them once this year, so I guess it's only one win. <laughs> um, Albany is five. Let's go the New Mexico Lobos six. And then we need one more. 
Yeah, it's a tough start. That's technically it, good. It, it's a tough start versus Stanford, Vandy, Oregon. <laughs> it's I, crazy hearing I, I, Stanford I, and Vandy <laughs> as the gauntlet at I, the beginning of I the season. I want to say seven is San Jose State because we got to get that Shevin Cordell revenge game. All right, let's let Michael Scott take us to our outro. All I can do right now is put on a brave face and go out there and be their leader. It's over. We are screwed. We are screwed. I actually called, I think you picked, you told us to pick Northern Kentucky to beat Northern Houston. Northern Kentucky, yeah. And they were in that game. You're right. They were in that You're game right. late. So I just, I just remember what it was. But uh, wrapping up a, uh, to our Instagram viewers, brief show, but to our, to our podcast listeners, a full show. Podcast listeners in India, apparently. Yes. Really? Yeah. yeah. So shout out to, we'll try to get some more cricket coverage on here or something. Is that their sport over there? It mm-hmm. is pretty popular, okay. yeah. yeah. Well, maybe maybe we can get some cricket locks next, cricket next show. Cricket locks, okay. Cool. We'll see what you cook up. Dude. But uh, any any parting thoughts before we uh, take off here on this Wednesday afternoon, or night, I should say. Afternoon. It's 9 p.m. Uh, <laughs> spring ball still underway. Um Jaden Rashada looks good for ASU. I've seen some highlights, people out covering practice. Uh, I kind of feel like Jaden Rashada is going to shock the world and maybe win the job. But Ooh. I, I want to see it happen, but ultimately I want the best guy, and that, that might end up being Drew Pine. We'll see. I think Caleb Williams is going to fall off this year. I think he won't end up being the number one pick in next year's draft. That's wow. pretty wild. I think Ben Branson is going to win the starting position at Oregon State. Whoa. And if that's all we got, I'm Tyler Budge. I'm Hayden Weber. And I'm Colt Almodova. And with that, we wave goodbye. Going to come back to the near side. Pick six. You see that coming